In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week on the show we've got a double hit of interviews for you first up we're gonna have leon pedante head of fitness and one of the coaches over at supernatural and johnny adut who's head of product marketing and community for supernatural the VR fitness craze that uh, we've been tracking since it started two years ago. Uh, We've had Leanne and Johnny on the show before, but we've never met in person. And we got to do that just, uh, just about a week and a half ago. And uh, it's fun. You can hear (laughs) a lot of fun talking to these two that's coming up. And then we've got Ali Murata from the New York city team for us uh, talking with Kendra Slack and Jordan Kapechka of linked dance theater about their all new piece the incomplete collection which is rolling out right now in new york in a in a short workshop run as they experiment this piece and this comes up i'm kind of stealing from the interview right now uh this piece was originally planned to be part of the next stage summit and festival uh, which was going to be in january in pasadena which was our event which you know omicron yada yada so if you're in new york And particularly if you had a ticket to the next stage, allow me to encourage you to go check out what you would have gotten to see otherwise, which is the Incomplete Collection. Um, And that interview is coming up in just a bit. Uh, Before we dive into this week's headlines with Catherine, uh, a couple of things. First, I want to give a shout out to our latest Patreon backers over at patreon.com slash no proscenium. They are Troy Hurd of Majestic Theater Company in Las Vegas. Troy, who is a longtime friend of the show and uh, who you can actually hear in uh, the uh, bit we did about uh, Meow Wolf's Omega Mart back last summer. That's on uh, episode 301, if memory serves. Uh, so go check that one out. Uh, and also Henry Smith has joined as a new backer as well. We're currently at 366 backers. Our next big milestone is 400 and we need your help to get there. Remember, no pro is funded by the community. Uh, we survive, we pay our bills, we pay the debts we've incurred to keep the show going on through your generosity. Uh, we're, we're functionally public media at this point, uh, even though, uh, well, we're working on the nonprofit status. We'll get there. Uh, Patreon.com slash no proscenium if you want to see us continue doing what we're doing, and we sure hope you do. Uh, a lot is going on at the website this week. Just today, we dropped a QA and a uh, with the writer-director of Illustration, which is an animated VR series that dropped its second episode today on Oculus TV and is free on MetaQuest. Ryan Griffin, along with producer, executive producer Nathan Anderson of New Canvas, are with us in a QA form to talk about this really interesting series which adapts Ryan's graphic novel into a quill-based animation that features voice talent like Kevin Conroy, Batman. Uh, That was a terrible Kevin Conroy Batman. I apologize on behalf of myself 
and all Batman fans everywhere. You know why I did it, and I'm going to let the fail stay. All right. That's one thing we've got going on. The review crew uh, broke into the um, book club and <laughs> talked about Snow Crash, which was the March uh, book No Proscenium Book Club selection. Uh, the book club's coming back next week on the 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific in our Discord. And we're talking about L.E. Hall's Planning Your Escape, which is sitting on my stand right here next to me right now. Uh, that's coming up this Tuesday. Check it out in our Discord. I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, we had a triptych on the review rundown this week of experimental theater work in New York, in London, and in Philly, all sounding really interesting. And speaking of experiments, we also had a guest review of the experimental Discord-based role-playing experience, The Creator. That was also on the site this week. And there's even more coming soon because uh, things are getting busy again. Uh, speaking of busy, if you're in LA, uh, this is the last weekend. You can go check out Night Fever from JFI Productions. Uh, I got to run around the set yesterday. Uh, I did a quick set visit. And golly, uh, they have uh, completely reworked what they did at Creep. They used a lot of the some of the set pieces that they did and just reworked it entirely to create an entirely different flow in that space. And uh, it's just a really, really uh, amazing production design work that the JFI team's been doing this year. So if um, if you're hearing this and you haven't gone yet uh, and you are someone who is running around out there right now, which I know some of you are, uh, think about it. Think about it. Uh, you've got, <laughs> got maybe like a few hours left to think about it. There you go there. Uh, and with that, let's slide on over to the headlines, which Catherine has for us this week. This is Catherine Yu, Executive Editor of No Proscenium. Here's what's in your immersive headlines for April 8th, 2022. Walkabout Mini Golf continues on its quest to take all of our childhood memories and turn them into miniature golf courses. In addition to the Labyrinth DLC that was previously announced, the company is now making headlines for its upcoming Mist course. That is right, you'll soon be able to play miniature golf in virtual reality on Mist Island. The course will be available sometime in the fall and is a collaboration between Mighty Coconut and Cyan Worlds. It seems like the immersive dream of the 90s is going to be alive, but in your headset. Epic Games has released the latest version of Unreal Engine, now at 5, at an online event on Tuesday. The game engine is expected to power the next gen of video games, films, and the metaverse. UE5 was the engine behind the extraordinary Matrix Awakens demo that made gamers drool last winter on Xbox and PS5. Assets from that demo, minus the Matrix IP, are now available for developers to download for free and use to create their own experiences. And speaking of the metaverse, CNET's Scott Stein has a piece on how the metaverse will only thrive once we figure out just how to behave. Says Stein, quote, connecting to others in the metaverse is already happening, but it needs to feel more natural too, end quote. He points out that it's all too easy to feel alone or disconnected from other people, even when you're on a platform like Altspace or VRChat. This is in addition to issues like abuse and harassment already happening in social VR. Stein observes, quote, the less open world and freeform and the more contained and purposeful, the happier I am. Virtual improv classes and connections with friends are great. 
It's the rest of the massively social metaverse I'm not so sure about, end quote. And if you are still interested in all things metaverse, be sure to check out this past week's Review Crew, where we talk about Snow Crash. These have been your immersive headlines. So one of the things I love about Supernatural is that you get to go to these beautiful places and do fun things. And right now, that's what's happening. I'm here with Leanne and Johnny of the Supernatural team. And I'm in a beautiful place here in the Hollywood Hills. And I'm about to do something fun, which is catch up with you guys. Because it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. It's the second anniversary of the launch. And there's been so much happening in the Supernatural community. So, Leanne, why don't you introduce yourself so we can identify your voice for starters. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Leanne Pedante. I am the head of fitness for Supernatural and one of the coaches. And Johnny? I'm Johnny Adutes, head of product marketing and community for Supernatural. This is this is great because the thing I, I, I want to talk is about the way the community and the fitness team kind of like work together. Sure. But for starters, just give us a snapshot of where we are here at the, the second anniversary of and it is two years, right? They're yeah. not a missing third year. <laughs> I don't know what time is anymore, but I'm pretty sure it's been two years of Supernatural. That is correct. Yeah, we launched in April of 2020. Um, and I like to admit that when we launched, I had no idea what to expect. That I had full faith in the product and the experience of what we had made this workout experience where you get to be transported to beautiful places with a coach cheering you on with music from Lizzo and Kendrick Lamar and you get to work out standing on the Great Wall of China and standing on the moon that Lizzo track killed me so many times <laughs> on the Great Wall <laughs> on the Great Wall you like right like you left yourself on the Great Wall with Lizzo which is a great way to go if you got to go it's a great way to do it um, and yeah, and we kind of put this thing out into the world right at the start of COVID. And it has been two years of watching a tremendous amount of people find Supernatural, find VR, find working out for the first time in their lives in a way that felt joyful and felt fun, that has allowed thousands and thousands of people to start to identify as athletes, to start to identify as people that love working out, that feel strong, that have a fitness community that they're a part of. Um, and I don't know if you can tell by my gushing, but we're really proud. <laughs> we're really proud of it. We're really proud of all of the community members that like have made this and continue to make this a huge, a huge deal and a huge life changer for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a pinch me moment. I mean, even for you to ask what the past two years have been like, I'm like, gosh, we launched with a handful of <laughs> workouts that weren't even named Supernatural Flow at the time. We had three coaches and we had a non-existent community. Mm -hmm. And now our community on Facebook is just over 50,000 people, which is a minority of our overall member base. Um, we have supernatural boxing in addition to supernatural flow. We have stretch sessions and meditations in there. Over a thousand rhythm app songs. You and the content team put out multiple workouts every single day. Um, it's just kind of mind boggling to think about how this whole thing has grown. And so much of it has been a result of watching our community grow and see what they need to continue on their fitness journeys that they've begun with us. Mm. It is kind of amazing how much content you all do put out because it, 
you, you probably could have done less, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to inform no. you, but, but you could pull back. No, but 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 what's been? It's an incentive to keep coming back in in very much the way because like all the trainers, you know, you all also do training IRL, right? Like this is this is where you where you come from, right? right? Yeah, all of our backgrounds are in you know standing in front of a room and teaching classes and teaching people that we can see and touch. Um, so for all of us, you know, be, being a virtual reality fitness trainer, this was this was our all of our first time taking that on, and I think for all of us, it was really unclear like how we were going to be able to maintain the level of personal connection and relationship that's mm. really important in, you know, forming a fitness habit. It, it It's, you know, anybody can knows how they're supposed to exercise, right? You can Google <laughs> the answers to like how to exercise. You can buy a little book that shows you the moves <laughs> yes, that you're supposed to yes. do and try and figure out point A to point B. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people do that. There's no lack of right. instruction on how to do this. But one of the things that most people find really helpful and pivotal in forming a fitness habit is creating a relationship with a person or with a community or with a collection of people that makes them want to keep showing up on the days when they don't want to show up so much. And mm -hmm. it's been shocking to see that we are able to do that through virtual reality which i think for most people they think of as an isolated right. experience yeah and even just two things that you brought up there which i think are kind of define the soul of everything we do is everyone who shows up in supernatural has somebody who believes in them mm. and they have a community that they belong in mm -hmm. and those are two things that probably felt really inaccessible to them prior and through some magic of virtual reality and the metaverse and the quest that's become available to people who formerly couldn't reach it mm -hmm. well, and there is a real I mean, there's a real human element to what y'all do like collectively and and the, that side coaching that you get when you're you're in the app it makes it makes a world of difference and and you're always like I, I did one of your one, one of the more recent ones uh, a couple of days ago because I mean it had been, it had been a minute like <laughs> I'm a subscriber but like I, I lapse too often and I'm always like oh, oh I should go back in and then Jesse was like this is happening I'm like oh okay well now I really have no excuse. <laughs> better, better strap the thing that's on. right you know I've been checking your stats no! on the leader but no <laughs> that is an active fear that is an active fear um, <laughs> that was a real no um, oh god you can make your profile private <laughs> yeah. if you like. <laughs> Um, no, it's actually, I was really surprised. Like, like all the people that I'm, I'm mutuals with, like I like posted up and I was like, wait a second, I'm the first this week. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Everyone's being lazy. That or Joanna Popper's dad is no longer using her headset. <laughs> um, Joanna's dad's on blast now. <laughs> Hi, Joanna. If I get called out, everyone else gets called out. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so there's really human elements to what y'all do. And, and and I know that comes out of like some of the IRL, but but also, uh, how do you approach? How, what did you find that was working? Like mm -hmm. you know, because there's there's that beginning. There's some spaghetti being thrown at the wall, sure. but but when did you know that those particular techniques were clicking with the community as a whole? Because that community gives you a lot of feedback. Uh, gives it, yeah. I mean, I am. So grateful. All of us are so grateful for our supernatural community. And, you know, we when we launched, we started our Facebook group very early on and and very early on. You know, I mean, we were all ears to, to everything we were 
so hungry for feedback because you need it, right? You need to understand what is landing with people, why people are showing up, what's resonating, what's not resonating. When you're, again, when you're teaching a class in a room, you have body language, you have facial expressions, you can see when people push harder when you say this and when they really give up when you say this, right? So you're getting really immediate feedback. And we needed to kind of find a way to gather that. And so we were doing that digitally. And one of the things that we kept hearing over and over again was people starting their sentence with, I've never been able to work out consistently before, but dot, dot, dot. Or I've never had anybody call me an athlete before, Mm. but today when the coach called me an athlete, I actually kind of felt like an athlete. And so we started to hear this theme of, okay, people are resonating with being spoken to as if they already belong here, right? Being mm. being assumed that they have a place here and not feeling like they have to change who they are mm-hmm. to have a place here. And I think, you know, that is something that's very much missing from a lot of fitness spaces. A lot of people feel like they need to get fit to walk into a gym to mm. deserve to be in that gym. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, in any way, shape, or form. I was really struck because, like, about a year into Supernatural being around, like, or maybe like six months, like, Apple dropped their Apple One stuff. And I, like, you know, I, I, I tapped into it. And I was just shocked that they weren't even giving people time to set up to get into the position in the basic classes. And I was just like, wait a second. I've never seen what you're doing before, and you're already jumping in. And, and you think of, I always think of Apple as being really good with human design and yet here they were letting these folks just like race and it it felt like dropping by like a beverly hills exercise club and like like it's day 90 and the contrast with what i saw in those first couple of months in supernatural where at first it did feel felt like a little bit of like oh my god like the 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 cliff here is pretty big Mm -hmm. but with but as soon as it was live, it was like, oh, we're going to onboard people. Here's some more of this. Now we're going to set this up. The pivot was so quick. That responsiveness on the part of what y'all were doing was really amazing. And one of the things that kept me going through the, those first, you know, that, that year of, of, of darkness. Um, before, we were talking a little bit about um, some of the ways the community impacts the development. And, and there, Johnny, you had some really interesting stuff that you that uh that, that came up before yeah. we got on mic here i'd, I'd love to, for you to share that yeah for sure um and even just to double click into something leanne was touching on just before i think what's really interesting about our group is that for years prior to becoming a fitness company we were a company that was focused on how do we use emerging technology to create experiences that light up people's hearts and their minds and make them active within these spaces Um, Our company values are how do we unlock joy, awe, and wonder in people. And that just coincidentally led us down a path to fitness because we realized along the way, wait, we're not just lighting up people's hearts and their minds. We're also lighting up their bodies and getting them to move. And so to your point about seeing other products that assume you have some level of fitness education before you come into it, for us... We're just thinking, how are we using all the power of VR to get people to move in a really fun way yeah. and start there? Mm. Um, even the way, even the mapping, I mean, you know, hijack this, even the mapping of, of the, the different songs, it, it, it feels more like dancing or it feels better than, you know, the stuff that is competitive based mm-hmm. where like it wants you to fail out. 
but supernatural always feels like it wants me to move and mm-hmm. wants me to extend my range of motion and 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 try just a little bit more and not be like you got it wrong dummy yeah <laughs> there's yeah. no you got it wrong dummy here and that's so you vital. can't fail yeah you can't fail yeah you can't exactly. fail exactly yeah i mean our team of mappers so to speak our choreographers, they all have different backgrounds in dance. Our lead choreographer, Benny, comes from swing. And so nice. you can imagine when you put together the brains of Leanne and the coaching team and all of these choreographers, you end up with the output of something that's like connected to music in a way that makes you feel so powerful, only in the way that moving to music can. And there's this layer of making sure that it's activating your body in all the right and healthy ways. How, how close does everyone work? How, do, how does that process? The choreographer to you, to the programming team? So we have a, um, I mean, we, so we have a curation team that does a ton of music development and puts together these thematic experiences with the environment and the artists that you're listening to. Then that gets handed off to the choreographers. Um, the coaches and choreographers, we, we work together a lot in developing movements the coaches will come up with like okay how can we we want to get the body we want to end the body up in this position but choreographers you guys know how to get us there you know where to put the targets and what needs to proceed and come after them to create this flow because they have the game design and they can use these tools um the editors do a lot or excuse me the choreographers do a ton of the creative work we had a meeting yesterday um with them between the coaches and the choreographers and they were breaking down the process of mapping this one song that we were all just like so into we had all just played it we were like oh my gosh like how did you even do this like you guys are amazing magicians and they're like well you know we listened to the song outside of headset and we watched the music video and we watched the backup dancers in the music video and then we found a move where we're like we want to do that and then we jumped into headset and we made it happen and we're just like this is amazing (laughs) is that is that track out yet or is it coming i uh I think it's coming. I think it's okay, coming. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. ask you I'll, afterwards. I'll, 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 give I'll you ask a you little, afterwards. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to know. <laughs> but yeah, so we have a feedback loop. But I, but, but the coaches should. We should not take responsibility. It's a lot of the creativity and movement that you are experiencing, especially in flow, the more dancey of the modalities. Our choreographers own like a large amount of that. The f- coaches kind of. We do a lot of the feedback on like, is it safe? Is it accessible? Is it responsible? Is it effective? accessible the the that was one of the things we were talking about beforehand i'm doing really bad segues today this is the way it's gonna be my flow is bad um (laughs) there are too many uh, fun things to talk about right right it's it's, it's just skipping around the cds oh this one over here so um yeah there's there's been this the part of this is this feedback of the community and finding people who like have never been able to kind of connect him before but that's even bigger than we you might just casually think like you might just think like me like i'm a big guy and like i don't get consistent on stuff and like it builds a, i find it builds a lot of confidence but like i don't necessarily have as many you know uh, barriers to me getting active sure. as other folks do but but that's something that that people are overcoming in this yes absolutely i mean we kind of see our job as bulldozing all the barriers <laughs> out there um, in between people and their fitness journeys. And with Supernatural at its core, the fact that Leanne brings this up all the time so beautifully, the fact that you're in there without mirrors or without other people that you might feel judged by, the fact that you don't need to pay for a personal trainer to teach you how to do things in the right way, the fact that you can do it at home after you put your kids down for a nap, all take down barriers for a lot of people who are all able-bodied. 
then you have groups of people who aren't fully able-bodied and we still want to create that bridge for them to get onto a fitness journey where they can keep coming back, become an athlete and feel really good about their fitness. Um, over the past couple of years, we've seen people posting in our Facebook group how they need to work out seated because they're in a wheelchair or even if they're just temporarily losing access to their lower body because they have a knee injury or something along mm. those lines how can we provide ways for those people to not need to push their fitness journey on pause so today the accessibility features that we have out now which only started coming out a couple of months ago we have a front-facing mode that enables you to work out in small spaces so if you're in a small apartment and you can't move your furniture out of the way and participate in a 360 workout you turn that mode on if you calibrate to being seated the combination of those two allows you to work out when you're in a wheelchair and we also have a no squats mode that turns off all lower body movement for our boxing and our flow workouts. So if you're injured or if you have lack of access to your lower body movement permanently or temporarily, you can still participate and be a part of the community. All of this has been a direct result of us being in the Facebook group, watching who's showing up and seeing what they need. Because mm -hmm. for us, building that bridge to a fitness journey is kind of the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it wind up feeling like you have this giant global XR exercise studio with like all these people and everything that's going on? <laughs> I mean, it feels like we're part of a an amazing expanding like club family. family? I yeah. mean, I mean <laughs> I'm constantly, yeah, I'm constantly call, referring to our members as like fam because I mean, you know, sorry, dad, but I talk to these people a lot more than I talk to my real life. <laughs> like, I'm in the Facebook group every single day, communicating, you know, checking posts, congratulating people, seeing people's progress. I've seen, you know, Steve M lose a hundred pounds. I've seen, you know, the Chesney just make an amazing journey. Like I know I've been tracking these people, some of them now for two years. And so like, those are real relationships. Those are real. And then all of those people, the people in their lives have watched them have these crazy transformations, have watched them find these new aspects of their strength and, and identity. And so now they're bringing their people and they're bringing their friends in. And so, you know, it's like when any other friend brings a friend along, you're like, oh, well, you're already part of my circle. You're already part of my call. You're friends with Steve. Great. And you're my friend now. And now we have, you know, 55,000 of those friends. <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful loop to witness because you might show up as an individual in Supernatural, the app, and then you have Leanne and the other coaches telling you that you're powerful, you're limitless, you're an athlete. And then those people discover that capability within themselves, and then they go to the Facebook group and they extend it to others. So when other people are showing up saying, hey, I'm new here, I'm working out for the first time, here's a video of me, here are the things I'm concerned about. Can I get some help? You see an army of love just roar in celebration of these folks and they want to show up in headset again and keep going. So it's almost like everybody in the community is extending the warmth and the culture and the I believe in you attitude that the coaches establish in the app. And it's just an incredible loop to witness. Mm -hmm. A lot of our coaches have said that they haven't witnessed this in fitness communities before to this extent. No, I mean, this is the, to me, this is the ideal, right? This is what you dream of when you create any kind of community space or any kind of fitness space. You want everybody to walk in feeling like they, they're capable and they're confident and they belong. And not only are they total badasses, but like they're gonna help other people become total badasses. That is, you know, 
that's the dream. And I think in a lot of contexts, you have to compromise on several of those aspects. And in Supernatural, like we just get to flex hard in all of those pillars every day. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's good. Good. I've got 15 million other things I could like break it up. Like, that's a that's a that's a good place for us to leave it. So. Thank you both so much. Mm. This is a real Thank joy. You. So great to chat again. Yeah, yeah. it's a pleasure. Thank you. Really going to be able to sit like outside, like, you know, like in, in person. person. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, this is Patrick McLean, the Chicago curator with No Proscenium. Each week, we publish our review rundown and record an episode of Review Crew in the podcast feed, which we talk about all the things we're enjoying and currently buzzing about. But it is here, and only here, where we reveal the pick of the week. This week, the pick of the week is brought to us by... Hi there, this is Blake Weil, East Coast Curator. Hey Blake, and what is the pick this week. This week's pick of the week is New World Rising by Linnea Bond. It is $30 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and running through April 10th. Okay. So what makes this the pick of the week then? I have never really done a show like this before. In New World Rising, you play as an eco-terrorist newly initiated into a cell plotting your first act of public vandalism, a bombing of an office construction site. However, complicating this is you are getting increasingly frantic texts from your fiancé as she starts to get a clue what's going on. This all takes the form of a walking tour of Philadelphia, combining audio links, dead drops, and live calls and texting with characters within the piece, there is a really interesting and almost perverse thrill, I would say, to playing around in public, in spaces that you're familiar with. This is not just an abstract concept of a construction site that I'm being asked to imagine blowing up in this piece. This is an actual construction site on a busy street that I walk past frequently. This is not a gas lamp that was placed there for purposes of this show that the voice in my ear is chirping at me is wasteful and the kind of small decadence that is maybe permissible in the large catastrophe that is our current climate reality that's someone's actual house that they're critiquing to me. And so that gives it a real texture and verisimilitude, as does playing it on your actual phone. I was actually getting texts from Catherine during the show in which she apologized to me profusely. And I said, don't, don't. The fact that I had to deal with my actual life during it was part of the intent, because from a metaphorical perspective, that's the climate crisis, isn't it? We all just have to go on dealing with our <laughs> lives while the world burns around us. And so there was a really interesting, sensitive, and powerful approach to the climate crisis mixed with this incredible kinetic storytelling as I'm running from dead drop to QR code to a safe that has a detonator in it. All very exciting and very tangible. Yeah, and and it, that is what makes it the pick of the week. Yeah, and it sounds like it combines a lot of 
the elements from many things in the like immersive verse. Like it sounds like this is a little bit of an ARG, but there's escape room type stuff. And then there's of course just interaction with actors. It sounds like the whole package. Yeah. Very much so. And the fact that it manages to do this with appropriate social distancing and the feeling of the throng of people around you is mind-bendingly talented. So highly recommended to anyone in the Philadelphia area. I think they still have a few tickets left. So let's make this a sold-out show, everyone, and hope that there is another remount soon. Yeah, hopefully so. That sounds like a really great experience. Thanks, Blake, for bringing that pick to our attention. And for all the rest of you, don't forget, you can find the review rundown at noprosenium.com and this week's review crew podcast just one spot back in your podcast feed. Hi, this is Ali Murata. I am a New York City correspondent for No Proscenium, and I'm here with uh, Jordan and Kendra from Linked Dance Theater to talk about their new show, The Incomplete Collection, which is running now in Brooklyn. Hi, Ali. It's great to be here. This is uh, Kendra Slack, co-artistic director of Linked Dance Theater. And I'm Jordan Kopechka, co-artistic director of Linked Dance Theater. Thank you both so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk about your new piece. So first things first, am I right in believing this is a workshop? Sort of. Yeah, okay. I guess. Uh, I think it. We're, we're calling it a workshop because we're trying to change a little bit of our way of working. In the past, we've been presented with an opportunity, usually some sort of space, it's been a crazy scramble of like a month or two months to try and put up a show. You know, that show runs for as long as it runs and then it's gone and we never see it again. Um, so we're trying to start a little smaller this time. This piece was actually originally created for what was supposed to be next scene in, in Pasadena, um, which unfortunately didn't happen. Sad. Um, but we wanted to uh, ex- continue to explore the ideas and thoughts, and we wanted to put it up in its current form. But the hope is that it will live again um, in a larger, more fully fleshed out way. Um, yeah. There's also the the sense that we really wanted to put up work that is complete, as, as the title sort of does not hint at as the incomplete collection, but it is a complete work. So it has all of the elements uh, of a magic circle and all the things that we hold dear to immersive. So it feels like a show, but it's a very quick, short, meaningful, jam-packed show that we were testing and learning and trying to figure out if the audience would really want to play in a world like this so we could extrapolate on it. So this is sort of our, our touring show that we wanted to put up in a couple of places and test out different models of how this show could work, but we thought that this would be a great first version. And we were given a a really nice little opportunity for space and the space seemed perfect for what we wanted to make happen. And we've got a month running now and we're, we're excited to have it up on its feet as a living, breathing piece of work. Awesome. That's really great. 
Um, and while we're here, let's uh, let's go for the elevator pitch of what we're talking about. So for everybody who hasn't had a chance to come see it, kind of has a baseline uh, without any major spoilers, though. Sure. Um, well, it's a, a fun idea that was conceived by Jordan um, and our writer, Lydia Cap over the summer. Basically, um, a mysterious curator invites you to come view their collection. Uh, and it's sort of hinted at, at what is in the collection, but ultimately you realize that this curator collects incomplete ideas. And you are invited for a small showing and you have some choices to make as to what ideas you will view and you experience them and ultimately you enter into some sort of trade negotiation with the curator in in trying to do business and seeing if you can do a trade for one of these incomplete ideas. I think that sums it up. I, I don't think I have anything to add. I, I think that it, it it started as a as a whim and the the impetus for it was very, very different, but we we sort of shrunk the scale down for next scene and then decided how we wanted to test this out. And we wanted to test it out in a world of creators because we thought creators would love a playground of ideas. And then we wanted to see how the general public would react to it. And so far, I think that our, our findings have been have been pretty good so so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that you brought this idea to your writer. Is it the text that came first? No. the The idea i i will I will be very honest. The idea candidly mm-hmm. started while I was on a hike, and someone said something offhand, like "Whoops, I dropped a thought," and I I I stopped in my tracks and I said, "What if I could pick up a thought?" And then I just started like really obsessing over it. And then I had a dream about it. And the dream was a very different idea that I don't want to reveal because it would kind of spoil what it could be the next version, but a a very different idea, sort of a heart-wrenching idea that I had in a dream. And it it made me think to myself, oh, what if I could meet, meet an idea that I had? And talk to them. And that that sort of led me to start having conversations with a dear friend of mine from college, who I, I've been thinking about working with for a while and thinking about bringing her into the linked family, because she has the right, the right gear of whimsy. And I thought it would be a good match. And we had this opportunity for next scene. And we were, we were gung ho about it. So we approached her. And she and I had, I think, two or three hour long conversations while Kendra was hiking the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic trail. And we would, Appalachian we would, trail. Sorry, excuse not, me. sorry. Appalachian <laughs> trail. While Kendra was hiking 2,100 miles. I had lots of conversations with Lydia and I would take notes and send them to, to Kendra. And we were, we were going about it. And I don't think that the idea solidified until Kendra got back and she said, this is what it's called. This is how it's going to work. And this is what we're doing. And she was like, get Lydia on the phone. And it was that focus that I was like, okay, cool. This is this is how it's going to happen. Wow. Yeah, that's really compelling. That tagline of like, oh, I dropped a thought. That sparks something for me. I'm sure it does for everybody. It's so interesting. Um, in your series of work, I've actually noticed this pattern of uh, investigation into like this ephemeral headspace with thoughts and memories and Alzheimer's. Is this intentional or it just kind of happens? I think it is indirectly intentional. I think it is. it has become intentional over the years. We are 
very aware that it is sort of what we like to explore at this point. Um, but we're very interested in liminal spaces, in transitory things, in things that feel very human, which I think are often, you know, these liminal, complicated, nuanced sort of things. Um, you know, and then just throw a dash of whimsy in there and you, you, you've got us, I guess. <laughs> I would say that the, the, there's something that's at least crunchy about memory and ideas and these, these weird things that we as humans alone really own and have at, <clears throat> at our core. And I think that it intrigues us in a lot of ways. And I think discovering different different ways that those things exist in in the world or is a fun way for us to play and to make work and to dig into that human condition. Do you feel that um, your pieces live in the same world? And I ask this because I always remember um, Rita McCann. I think uh, they just are so recognizable. And I'm like, what if their role in this show is connected to their role in the last show? Is it the same world or am I making something that's not there? We've made jokes that our shows are kind of living in some sort of Marvel universe with <laughs> each other. Um, I mean, I guess they they kind of are and they kind of aren't. Uh, we, we do very purposely like to work with the same people. Um, uh, we we also love meeting new people and infusing them into our family, but we do very much feel like a company because uh, we like that shorthand. We we love the performers we found. All of them in this show who have worked with us before. You know, you mentioned Rita, Maya Carter, Maya Gonzalez, mm -hmm. Matt Engel. They're all they've all done shows with us, and it's just such a joy and there's such an ease when working with people you've worked with before. Um, and they're also skilled at, at immersive performance. So it's, it's been a real, real joy in this process with them. I would akin us to an American horror story where there, there's an anthology or an anthology series in which the same actors are used over and over. And then we, we like to, to DJ them in different places and ask them into to new roles and ask them, you know, to to explore things uh, with us while we're we're building work and making work, and they're always gung ho and that that is always so great to have when you're when you've got a cast that really understands the way that you work and the way that your work is supposed to feel. And more so, I think that we, I feel like we've made this joke on a podcast before, but that all of our shows will eventually become a, a group therapy session, each of them with their own <laughs> tragedy that they're trying to work out in the cliche group therapy theater session. And each one is going to have a different, um, you know, problem because they all mm -hmm. seem like, like they all have issues <laughs> that they're struggling with. Right, right. Oh, that's hilarious. Um. So you were saying about how, you know, you tend to work with people who get the vibe and they uh, have this, the the way of going about immersive that you want to work with. What, a, what is that like? And I'm wondering, particularly for this show, how do you, how are you building it out for varying levels of audience, like willingness and participation? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. And it's, it's very interesting. Also, this is one of our first times, if not our first time actually working with an outside writer who we brought in. In the past, it's been either Jordan or I writing bits of of the script or devising with the cast, you know, some of our other company members have also written sections of shows and then we kind of piece them all together. But this is really Lydia's baby, you know, she, she wrote the text for it, but then there is the wonderful thing about Lydia is because she was also so open to that devising process. So it was the three of us in a room talking about the world and shaping the world. And then Lydia went away wrote the text, brought it back, and then we gave it to the performers and allowed Lydia to talk with the performers. And then the performers began to kind of play with the text themselves. And so it's a give and take with immersive stuff. It's always tricky when you're writing for immersive because you have to allow for that that difference in your participant. You know, not, not everyone is going to respond the same way. So you in rehearsals, you kind of have to figure out like, a whole arsenal of things that you can build out. Well, you know, if someone responds this way, maybe you go in this direction. And and thinking about sometimes think in certain situations, sometimes thinking about the text in sections and not necessarily needing to go in a certain order, depending on how the person was responding. So being that immersive performer who can literally cut and paste, I always and it's funny, in directing immersive, I, I often say you need performers who can be their own director in the room because that's literally what they're doing. You you can't have the director there for every show. You know, it's impossible with the multiple rooms and the different tracks. And you need actors who can direct themselves in the moment. So who can, based upon what the participant is doing, like take this piece of text and put it at the end instead or, or cut it out entirely in order to allow that space for the person to, you know, and, and like, like y'all are always saying at no pro, like meet the audience member where they're at. That's so important. So the text is, is a huge important and a huge foundation to creating the rules of the world and the vibe and everything. But then allowing that play between writer performer and then ultimately participant to unfold it's a really it's a really interesting and beautiful thing and I think that's why we're all so addicted to this form is it's so collaborative it's so rewarding when you figure it out I'd also say that the material again that we chose is approachable it it's interesting that there you know there are these ideas that are laid out for someone to choose from and there are ideas that I'm sure people have come across or have thought about, at least in some form or manner. And then it allows them to, to engage in a very different way and to, to sort of be present. And so the ideas are all prepared to, to play with whatever the audience gives and that the text is rich and, and fun and easy. And, you know, there are built-in... Uh, nuances that can expand for an audience member who might want to talk a lot or right. that can can be just present. The text can just be present for the audience member who just wants to listen. So it's it's a nice balance. And I think that as we continue to play in this world and with this material, we're going to probably discover some 
some catches and some things that we'll have to approach differently as the show grows and changes into its next iteration. I think that we're already sort of talking about what we thought was hitting really well and what what wasn't and how to how to expand the world and, and where we might have, you know, added 10 minutes or 15 just to allow people to to exist a little bit longer in our space. But we're we're still happy with it all. Yeah, I mean, it's I think what you did uh was very clever in that the ideas were actions, things that you do. And I was thinking about that and I was like, well, like every idea is an action if you choose for it to be, but um, making them really like tangible, recognizable actions. I really appreciated that because I it was easy to relate to. And then I took away like that back with me to my real life, which was cool. Yeah, yeah we, we made a list early on yeah. and we had, a, I think, about nine or ten and we really, really liked, I think maybe, maybe we got it down to eight and we sent it to Lydia and we were, we were like, we like these. And I think these, these, we have asterisks by because we like them a lot, but choose because we wanted to also give her the process of being able to explore those ideas herself and animating them herself. And like you pointed out, we purposely made them very approachable, very sort of like every day. I mean, the curator sort of says jokingly, like, this is the trunk show, they only brought the travel size ideas hinting at that, you know, in the ultimate, like the full collection, there are larger ideas. There are probably more like the artsy creative ideas, but the ones in this piece are very much meant to be things you could use in your everyday life. You know, that's why they're in the trunk. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Okay. Let's talk about the space. So the piece right now is in this beautiful Brooklyn townhouse that's just kind of barren except for where you've built out. Um, And I was wondering what the thought process was behind that and how the flow works and the environment. So the space was a a bit of a, a, a gift. I, a friend, a dear friend, what I was having drinks with was asking me about how my art is and I told him that we were looking for space and he looked at me and said I have a space I'm not in it yet and it's it's his brownstone he recently purchased it he's living with his family in an apartment while they're renovating it and originally we had we had expect to be on the first floor which actually has this really beautiful full length like head-to-toe mirror in this in the main room and we were so excited to get to play with that but the construction was actually happening on the the basement in the first floor so we said hey how about we just take the upstairs which still has all of its mid-century modern fixings and all of these bells and whistles that are really beautiful and he told us how he's going to outfit this space but we had this really great opportunity and a show that could fit in the space kind of perfectly three character or four characters four rooms and they're going to be doing a lot of renovations anyway. So he was okay with us, you know, making, you know, putting things in certain spaces and, and doing a light design out. And it also kind of fits with the idea that there would only be light designs because it's incomplete. So you have this incomplete brownstone or incomplete townhouse and you have sort of incomplete design, which is still kind of complete. You know, it's almost as if the, the ideas popped out of their, their vessels and decor the room themse- themselves just just a little bit. And 
we we also really wanted to play with design and also levels. So each of the room is actually at a very different level in terms of space and how you're oriented. I don't know if you actually got to walk through. Did you walk through all of the spaces? No, I just saw the one room. Oh, got it, got it. But that's fascinating to hear. Yeah, and so we we had the opportunity and we built it out, and it was it was sort of nice, and it kind of fit that this you know curator had popped up out of nowhere and just found her found herself fancying this place and said, "This will do." Yeah, like she might be magically squatting. We don't know. We don't know <laughs> if she has permission to be there or not. You know, we kind of liked that feeling of you entering into this almost like construction zone um and then going upstairs and it having a very very different vibe um and i and i think that's really a testament to you know jordan's like artistic and aesthetic choices he's always a huge driver in the design of all our shows and then uh brendan littlefield who's our composer um and this this piece is completely scored out and we got lucky because it's also near a church and so sometimes you'd actually hear real bells in the background and then you're by brendan's face when he first heard the bells that were from the church nearby he was it's like i couldn't ask for better ambient noise but (laughs) that's incredible I mean, I think the idea of being complete is a very commercial idea and like a, a construct at best. Um, and this idea of like everything having a thread of incompleteness to it, it's very like Dada, like very like happenings kind of style, which is beautiful in and of itself. There, um, There is definitely a, a Dadaism to it. And I think <laughs> we had Andrew Hoffner come and test and he said something really beautiful that... I think that we were sort of after is that we ourselves are incomplete. There's an incompleteness to the space and right. incompleteness to the, the thoughts being presented. There's all of these things that are incomplete. And when do you get complete? Like when is, what, what is completeness? Okay. Um, we are just about at the end of our time. So is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah. I mean, We'd love for you to come see the show. It's only happening for a limited time, just for uh, on the weekends for April. Um, you can find all that at linkdancetheater.com. Um, and then also just like a huge thank you to our, our cast and crew and everyone who made this piece possible. Also, uh, Steph, uh, how do we say Steph's last name? I always forget. <laughs> Jordan, do you know? Parida? Steph Parida, she she's an amazing, amazing props designer. She created the props for the nest, um, and she designed out this beautiful prop, which you will see if you come to see the show. Um, but she was such a huge handle in kind of putting that germ of the aesthetic um, that was going to be originally for the 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 next scene sort of version. Um, but that kind of everything snowballed from there and she does amazing amazing stuff and yeah we worked with her on l and and we sort of asked if she would do this and she did it as a you know as a fun sort of craft project (laughs) amazing okay well thank you both so much for being here it was a pleasure to learn some more um, the Incomplete Collection is playing until April 30th, as you just heard on the weekends in Brooklyn. So check out linkdancetheater.com for more information. Mm-hmm.
Catherine, Leanne, Johnny, Blake, Patrick, Allie, Jordan, and Kendra all for making today's show possible. Big one. So much stuff. So much stuff is going on. Um, and indeed, uh, so much stuff is going on. Uh, not only everything at the website, but of course the newsletter and over there at everythingimmersive.com where we're remixing the front page every couple of days as more material comes in. It's going to be a really interesting year. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy year, but it's going to be a really interesting year. Uh, in the newsletter this week, I talk a little bit about how things are kind of reminding me of what it was like in 2015. Uh, that was sort of the year that things really started to just begin to kind of break out. People were getting excited, but we hadn't quite figured out how to take all of this wondrous world that was being created to the masses. And now we've got new challenges. And some people hear me say 2015 and they're like, oh, seven years of, has been undone. Well, really, only five years. <laughs> we can't count the last two years. And then on top of it, think about how amazing 2016 and 2017 were for immersive, particularly if you were in some of the bigger markets. And now we're not just in the bigger markets. We're seated all around the country, all around the world. And I'm feeling a strange kind of optimism right now. Uh, even as in the macro sense, the world's kind of all off axis. We, we see it in every aspect of our lives, but the drive and the power of immersive and experiential work is been proven out and the best is yet to come of that i'm absolutely certain i'm certain as well okay there sometimes you just gotta you gotta run with it let's uh let's take it home the sustaining backers of no proscenium are ari herstan chris woolman eric shamlin deborah robinson elaine jay bushman jerome joseph gentes david bassick lonnie hands-on mark baltazar sydney Guillory, and jan budman the associate producer of this podcast is parker sella music for no proscenium is by chris porter of the speakeasy society special thanks to shivano lachlan for voicing our intro Catherine, you brings us the headlines and is the executive editor of no pro and this podcast is produced and hosted of course by yours truly that's it until next time thank you for continuing to wear the mask 